December? Well, because one, we don't stop on Sunday mornings, right? We go verse by verse, word by word. And so if you can imagine over the years, that has upset some people. When we don't stop for Christmas, and we don't stop for Easter, and we don't stop for the 4th of July, or we don't stop for Mother's Day, or we don't... That can upset some people. And so tonight was my opportunity for you, if you've ever been upset by the fact that we don't stop, to be here. And to look at uh, just a special time of looking at uh, the coming of our Lord. Um, but next Sunday night, we, or next Wednesday night, we will do the candlelight service, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you've ever been to one of those, it's a wonderful night just to slow down. Uh, there's singing, the Lord's Supper, there's scripture reading, and um, Jamie plans all of that and does a great job. So if you love the Christmas candlelight service, thank Jamie. He is the brain behind all of it. Um, but also, as we've been studying the book of Revelation, um, I believe the hope of the book of Revelation is the fact that Jesus is coming again. Uh, I've made it abundantly clear that I believe the Lord is going to return and rapture His church. And those of us who are here um, are going to be taken to heaven. Then there will be a seven-year period where the Antichrist rules and reigns and the Lord um, protects Israel as He has a special plan for them. But at the end of that seven-year period, we know the Lord is going to come back and destroy His enemies. I believe He will set up a literal kingdom for 1,000 years. And then at the end of that millennial reign, Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire and we will reign and worship with the Lord forever. And so the coming of the Lord is the hope that we have. And when we look at the Christmas story, that is the hope of Christmas, the fact that Jesus came. But tonight I want to just, if you would, uh, go with me through some of these things. And the first page I want to show you at, a look at tonight is this one, Hope for a Messiah. Many times we forget what was going on in Israel before the coming of our Lord. Um, we call those the silent years from the end of the Old Testament to the coming of the angels uh, proclaiming what the Lord was going to do. And this is very important because while the world was silent from the Word of God's standpoint, a lot was going on in the world, right? Uh, Alexander the Great had conquered Persia. Uh, Alexander the Great died suddenly, so Rome began to rise. And so uh, Rome had, um, had really clamped down on the things of worship. And so you have probably heard about the Maccabean Rebellion. And uh, you can read that uh, multiple places, but a family uh, decided they were not going to worship. And they were not going to do things contrary to what God said, and so they revolted. And so there was 24 years where there was a war between uh, different Jewish factions and uh, the oppressors. And so at the end of that 24-year period, they had taken back much of what they ha had suffered and were able to worship. But during that time, after the end of that rebellion, something happened. The family, the Maccabeans, who had led this rebellion, had appointed themselves the high priest. And so that is where you see, if you've ever studied, the Pharisees and the Sadducees began to be very upset because that family was not, according to the Old Testament, of the lineage to be the high priest. And so what had happened was... The Jewish people were miserable. They were under oppression. 
their religious culture had been just muddied up. And so you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had rose and risen up to fill that gap. And if you know anything about the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you can uh, read about that. But so religiously, spiritually, uh, economically, uh, Israel was in a place where they needed someone to rescue them. And so God had prepared everything for them to have a great need. And so if you look here in this passage of Scripture, uh, in this page, I want you to flip over to the book of Isaiah, uh, if you would tonight, and a very familiar two verses, if you want to flip over to Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, if someone would like to read that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. So if you know this Old Testament prophet promise and you're a Jew living in this day when spiritually, economically, everything has been taken from you, this sounds pretty good. Now some of you are thinking, I don't understand this. Well, just think about it in the simplest terms about when presidents change in America, right? The people who are under four years of oppression Right about the other party and what they do and, and, and all of these things. But now imagine if you have no rights. You can't go vote. Right? Rome didn't give you a choice. And so when you read this and you see things about government, you think about the increase of his government. That's not meaning that government's going to get bigger and invade your life. That's not what it means there. It's not a negative. It's this idea of just like King David went from uh, expanding the nation of Israel. And then Solomon took over and expanded it even more. It's this idea that things are going to get better. Right? They're going to be more powerful, more blessings, more wealth if you're reading this from a Jewish Old Testament perspective. And so the last two paragraphs over here on this paper I gave you just really, I think, say this very well. Most Jews held to the belief in a coming Messiah. However, they disagreed about what they thought about this Messiah would do. In general, they believed that the Messiah would be a human who was aided in some way by God to do amazing, miraculous things. A king of Israel and descendant of King David. However, some perhaps influenced by more secular thinking at the time held that the Messiah was more of a concept that would enable the nation of Israel to come together and overthrow the rulers oppressing them. Whatever their understanding, there was a general longing for a conquering king who would come and crush their op opposers and free them, establishing Israel as a prosperous nation once again. 
So when a miracle-working, humble young man from Nazareth burst onto the scene, challenging the established religious authorities and loving even Roman authority figures, even his own disciples were confused. They had not envisioned a Messiah like him, one who would fulfill a promise from God given not only to David, but all the way back to Abraham. A king who not only rescues the Jews, but the whole world from our greatest enemies, sin and death. And so for the Jew, it was all about them. But we should be thankful that God had a bigger plan in store than just to rescue the Jew from the Roman. He had a plan to rescue us from sin and death. Now, do I believe that God has a plan to rescue the Jewish people? Absolutely. I believe you see that in the book of Revelation unequivocally that God has a special plan for the nation of Israel. But I am thankful that he had a plan to adopt us, right? To graft us in to the family of God. And so what the Jews saw as a weak savior, we now know, according to the book of Romans, what he has done for us. And so I want to ask you one thing. And I'm going to start out a little bit negative and we'll get more positive, all right? What is one thing about the Christmas season that is hard or that bothers you? Loss of loved ones, ones, right? The first Christmas, the idea of them not being there. I did uh, Christmas deliveries today to Heritage Woods and one of our members who's over 100 years said, I'm going to be alone on Christmas. Totally and completely alone. And I said something like, well, hey, I'll bring all my kids over to invade your party. She's like, "Mm." you can see that the wheels were turning. Maybe it would be better to be alone. But, uh, But that's what she said. Not just the loss of loved ones, but the fact that she would be alone on the holiday. Any other things about Christmas that that bother you? Nothing. Commercialism? Absolutely. The fact that you have to spend and spend and spend and spend, and if you don't, anything else? Most people believe in Christ after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, I drove by a church the other day that said, uh, Happy Holiday. So, And I didn't throw a rock at their electric fancy sign either, but I thought about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Other things, anything else? Dismissed church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There were actually some churches that did uh, not have church last year on Christmas Day. Yep. It's kind of mind-blowing. Others? All right. Just wanted to call your attention to that, that we have to remember that during the holidays that um, there are some things that we can pray about, that we can really think about. But... The second thing I want you to look at with me tonight is the actual birth of Christ. Because as we've seen that the situation needed a Savior, that there was a problem, we then get to see the beauty of the birth of Christ. And we're actually going to, if you would, look at the next two pages together. 
as we search through the Scriptures. Because what we see here in Matthew 1 and 2, and the second, these are the two, if you've got them here. These are all of the Old Testament prophecies. Not all of them, but many of them that were fulfilled by Jesus' birth. And you say, why does this matter? Well, for one reason, we believe that if you don't get it right about Jesus, nothing else matters. And so we have to know why we believe what we believe about one of the most important events in human history. There are only two Gospels that address the birth of the Lord, Mark or Matthew and Luke, as you see there. And so it's kind of interesting when you think about it, because like we looked Sunday, the feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection are the only two miracles listed in all four of the Gospels. And you would think that the birth of Christ would be listed in all four, but it's not. And so why do you think that is? And don't say that's just because God didn't want it in there that way, because that is absolutely true. The right answer is I don't know, all right? I don't know. But what I do know is that when we look through these two stories, they are the same story, but yet each one of the writers focuses on some different things. For instance, if you look here, um, you'll see in the angel visits. You can see that in the, um, in, the, in the two stories in Matthew and Luke. You'll see in certain things in the Gospel of Luke's uh, that you won't see in Matthew. And so what I want us to really focus on tonight is why. Because God wants to give us the complete picture on what He wants us to know. But yet we also see here that each one of these is inspired by God, but also takes into account the difference of Matthew and Luke. They were two different individuals who had been through two different situations in their life. And so it's just very, very important when we look at these two, and we won't read them all for the sake of time tonight, but what I do want us to look at tonight is all of the way that these two chapters, these two chapters tie in to the Old Testament. And so if you have that page there about the prophecies, and you can read them from this or you can flip there with me. We're not going to flip through all of them tonight. But the first one I want to call our attention to tonight is that he will be the offspring of woman that shall bruise the serpent's head. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, and if someone wants to flip back there, they can, or we can read the kind of condensed version. It's up to, to you guys. But if someone would like to flip to Genesis 3, read verses 14 and 15, we see the Old Testament prophecy. Some of you are thinking, you mean i got to come to Bible study to study the Bible? That's the goal, right? 14 and 15 of Genesis chapter 3. Between you and the woman, between your 
So we see this from the Lord about this coming conqueror. And so you can see there, if you'd like to just read them from the actual paperwork, or you can find those. Someone would like to read Galatians 4, verse 4. That's fine. That's fine. Because why? If the word of God is not true, then the promises of God are not true. And so while Christmas is a magical time of year, right? It's the lights and it's the, the, the gatherings and all of the wonderful stuff about Christmas. It still comes back to what does God say about it? What does God say about it? The word of God is always the thing that we put all of our faith and trust into. And so we see there that the Galatians tells us he was born of a woman. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children had flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is, the devil. So, whoever this person that Genesis is talking about has to do what? Has to destroy him. Has to crush him. And so the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, says, right, that he shared in our humanity by what? Taking on flesh. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Amen. So right here we see in the New Testament how Jesus being born, how Him living a life in the flesh but also being God and dying fulfilled this promise. And the thing we've been saying about Revelation, if you've been with us, is this. If God makes a promise in the Old Testament and He doesn't fulfill it, then God would be a liar. And if God is a liar, then there is no faith. There is no hope. And so when God makes a promise to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, He must and will what? Fulfill it. When God makes a promise to us, He will fulfill it. And so when we look at Jesus' birth and all that comes with Christmas and all that comes with the wonderful blessings that we have, we need to always be reminded that God has fulfilled it. And the greatest thing that I think can strengthen our faith in a time of year where people have begun to mock Christmas, they begin to mock the things that we believe, is to reaffirm why we believe what we believe and where do we base our evidence from, right? That it is the Word of God, that everything God has said has been fulfilled. And if it has not been fulfilled yet, it will be. Amen. So, what are your favorite things about Christmas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Genesis three fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Who is the seed of Satan? Who is who is Satan's offspring? 
No, it's talking about that it is the the offspring of woman, right? That's Jesus being born of the flesh will crush Satan. Yeah, um, but it says I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Oh, you're off. The devil. Let's flip back there. Then let me look at the whole verse here. Well, that would be just children of sin, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's look here in verse. Yeah, verse fifteen, right? All right. And I will put in between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. I sh- you shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his. Heal. So the the offspring of Satan is not so much that his offspring, but the seed is that this corruption of sin, right? That sin has corrupted all people, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So absolutely, yes. Wonderful question. Other questions? Favorite thing about Christmas? Things that you love about Christmas? I like it because people are nicer now than mm-hmm. Yeah. There can be moments of that, can't there? Family. Family, yeah. Giving gifts. I enjoy that. Enjoy. Like watching your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely enjoy gifts more than getting gifts, that's for sure. So. Other things about the this time of year. It's a reminder to us and to those who maybe haven't heard the story mm-hmm. that there's a reason why there's all the celebration mm-hmm. around here. We have to be reminded in all the generations that come after us. So do you think we do a good job of stopping to be reminded? I know our family, my mother makes all the kids stop before they jump into their presence and she does what? Reads the Christmas story. And you can see the look on their face. They're like, I know I'm really supposed to enjoy this, but on the flip side of that, I really want to open presents. But yes, she makes a stop, slow down, and... Read the Christmas story. Other ways that you as a family can use this time of year to reflect and really focus in on why it matters. You know, some people don't hear don't hear the gospel except Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. And so you go to the Christmas program and they even though in this area here we're still allowed to, you know, have a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. A lot of places don't have it. Yeah. Like, Took Jesus, they took Jesus out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, I went to the Dalgren Christmas program last night, and the last four or five songs were all uh, Christian uh, songs, and then the nativity scene was up on the stage, and and uh, you know, my mindset is our is always like some filthy liberal is going to be hiding in here trying to ruin this, and so I always pray under my breath, Lord, just keep it like it is, right? Lord, just keep it the way. That it is, because we know that that's, like you said, it's being under attack everywhere. 
I've been very blessed to go up all around the square. If you've not been around the square, right across from Foxy's on the city's uh, property there at the park, there is a nativity scene. So, but what do you as an individual, is there anything you specifically do around Christmas to really help you in your walk with the Lord? Think about why it matters. Anything at all? Business as usual? Well, we decorate. We decorate, absolutely. 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 Does anybody ever do a, a special Christmas Bible study? Last year we did the David Jeremiah. I can't remember what it was titled now. But anything individually that you do around Christmas for your walk with the Lord? Something I do, which is not just necessarily for me, but we have a lady here at church who makes gifts for all of our widows, um, all of our seniors that are shut-ins, and um, on their on their birthdays, I take them a gift. And you're saying, well, that's not a very good birthday present. If you're the one taking it, I agree, all right? But at Christmas, she makes up gift baskets for, for everyone in our church, let's say 65 and older, who's lost a loved one, who's never been married, something like that, and then I deliver them. And um, it helps me, like that visit today, to remember I have so much, right? Even when I'm paying prices that I'm paying for my kid's gift, right? That I'm, I'm blessed to have them. And when I think about going to family gatherings and all the drama that comes with it, that, that God has blessed me with a family, with the opportunity to... Talk to them about the Lord and to, to remind them of what really matters. And so for me personally, it helps me to go and to visit someone who has a need because it reminds me just how good God is. And so that wasn't my idea. Please don't think that. But I get the privilege of doing that. So something you could do as a family. What is there is something you could do to remind your family or your kids or grandkids about the importance of of the season. We read all the Christian children's books mm -hmm. and the Bible stories Amen. to our grandkids. We don't hear Amen. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot tonight. I'm just trying to encourage you that as the the Christmas time is upon us and as you have opportunities, what is something you could do? What is something you could do? What is something at your family Christmas that your kids and grandkids could make as a craft that would point them to why we celebrate the reason for the season? Other thoughts? We could get a candle. They're free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Then... Yeah, wonderful. Others? Well, a prayer before the big dinner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we would be surprised how many families don't stop and pray before those things. Absolutely. We have like a, a nativity set, but we put it together one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. So like the 12 days before Christmas we start and then we read the corresponding part of mm -hmm. the 
Bible story, and then on um, Christmas Day, you put baby Jesus in the mm -hmm. manger. So the kids really like that. Wonderful. And, and, and don't think I'm trying to, to get these ideas from you so that you can feel better than anyone else. But these are, it's iron sharpens iron, right? If you suggest something like, she just stopped thinking, I need to find one of those, right? Or I wonder where I can buy one of those to do that with our kids. So that's the purpose of this is to say, oh, that's a great idea. Or, hey, we should do that as a family or, you know, so wonderful. Anything else? Always get in trouble for not letting you ask questions. And the one night I'm trying to get you to talk. <laughs> just, just remember, in January when we start Revelation, no questions. Just going to move right through it. No questions. <laughs> what is something maybe your family did when you were a kid that really helped you to remember what the season and reason for the season was? Anything? Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a big part of our life, but a lot of kids don't have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. My mom would, uh, we put the tree up, my mom would put names on the tree, and every day, every day we would take the name off the tree and pray for them. Wow. Someone needs to write that one down and give that to me, because I will forget that. Do you mind if I ask, like, what kind of names, or just? Oh, just uh, certain people from the church. My dad's a pastor, mm -hmm. also. So, uh, certain people from the church, certain people from the community. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Mic drop moment right there. <laughs> Wonderful. Anything else? Because my motto is this: if I really want my children to really focus on the reason for the season. If I really want my kids to grow up talking about how important this time of year was, they are not going to do it on their own. Right? It's going to have to come from my wife and I stopping and saying, what can we do? Because at school, it's all about buying presents. Right? For my kids, they've ruined every class they've ever been in on what there's a Santa or not, right? Uh, one of my kids told her kindergarten teacher, you know lying is a sin and where liars go, right? <laughs> and she told her that, she, the kid said, this person's real. And she goes, no, it's not. Well, we'll go ask our teacher. And they went to the teacher and the teacher said, oh, yeah, Santa's real. And she went, you know what the Bible says about lying? So, <laughs> so like, literally, but what? But that's just how we are when they ask us and they get, you know, we're those parents. So if our kid ruins it for years in Sunday school, I'm sorry. But literally, what can we do to show them the importance of it? Right? The movies they watch are mostly going to be non-Christian versions of Christmas, right? Santa Claus, reindeer, snowmen. All of, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, to, to enjoy but we have to separate what is fiction from what is truth. What is enjoyable from what is life-changing. And so if we can start that as a church, if I can start that as a family, then we can really, I begin to see that blessing of focusing on what Christmas means. Other thoughts? One of the things that 
Marsha and I have done over the years is, and anytime we visit a new place, be it a state or a country, there's always seems to be a nativity scene in that culture. Mm -hmm. um, we got one from Alaska, and you got you got baby Jesus in England, <laughs> and so we've got those scattered all over the house. And mm -hmm. It's just encouraging to know that it's pretty pervasive around the world that the Bible mm -hmm. story is out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Something else we've done, and I cried the first year, but. Two years ago, Dave said, I'm not having Christmas anymore with our kids. They about killed me because, you know, my kids are my kids, <laughs> you know. But then they started having their own, their own Christmases. And just to hear them, my kids came today, and she's just bubbling because she gets to have her family. Mm -hmm. And we don't steal that away from their young lives. Mm -hmm. So I was raised with, my dad's parents were dead before mom and dad got married. And... Grandma and Grandpa Gillenwater, they had 14 kids and over 70 grandkids, and I've never seen some of my first cousins. So, I mean, it, it was, you know, I'd never had Christmas except for Mom and Dad mm -hmm. and us four girls. And that's, you know, the last two years we've just had to stay with myself. Mm -hmm. But we see our kids 365 days. Yeah. Year. Yeah. But it's became their thing. Their, their, just to hear kids talk today about came and borrowed some stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. She wants her Christmas with her kids and grandkids to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Wow. I didn't want to steal that away from her. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm thankful that the kids are up for Christmas carols tonight. Amen. That is so wonderful. And I've got a seventh grade girl who wasn't very excited, let me tell you. But she's Christmas caroling. So. When she gets back, though, she will be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but any other thoughts? Well, I, go ahead. I, do have one thing. I, I just don't think uh, if we just limit to this kind of a year, mm -hmm. I, we also don't get our point across to the kids mm -hmm. how important Jesus is to all of us. And, and it has to be a year round thing. Worshiping him and, and knowing him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else? One thing that's so simple that I, I know a lot of families do is that since we've had grandchildren, we always make a birthday cake to baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in the cake, it has so many things so that they can all you know, add to it. Mm -hmm. And it's really neat to see the pictures from the time. Jason, Luke were two, mm -hmm. 20. Yeah. And, you know, that's been, and with candles and everything, that's yeah. a happy birthday. <laughs> Absolutely. simple thing. Amen. Amen. Like I said, my two memories of, of this time of year is the Christmas story at my mom's and the El Rado Holiday Tournament. All right. The second one is not spiritual at all. All right. But literally, that's where I'll be, the 26th, 27th, and 28th. Those two things, the Christmas time of year. So, you know, but anyway. But anyway, you have these verses, and I, and I want to look at just a couple of them. But I just really wanted tonight to really be a reminder of us, right? 
if we want our culture and we want our kids and we want our families to really focus in, it's got to start with us. And part of this was I've been reading over the last week. Um, there's a terrible situation in Florida right now. The political, the, the Republican Party's leader in Florida, him and his wife, have been engaging in all kinds of inappropriate behavior and doing things that the other side's supposed to do, not us. But, um, and he won't resign. doesn't matter, right? And it's just got me thinking so much about how in the world can we stand here and, and be the party of morality and marriage and all of these things, and the guy that's representing us is a sleazeball, right? And so if we're going to really show our kids and our grandkids it's got to be what matters to us, right? And presents are nice, and the decorations are nice, and, and all of the stuff that goes into Christmas that we know has different representations. But really, if it's going to change, it starts with us, right? It starts with me as an individual getting serious about this time of year, studying the Word of God, doing devotionals, doing different things to remind me than us as a family, Right, doing those very same things. My second daughter literally asked me, she goes, Dad, do you know where our seats are? I said, what seats are you talking about? She said, the comfortable ones that we take to the holiday tournament with us so that we don't have to sit on the hard bleachers. And I said, I do know where they are because to her mind, she knows that we're going down there. And I was kind of happy, but I was also kind of sad because it wasn't a Christmas thing that she talked about. It was a holiday tournament thing. And so it made me realize that, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be complaining that we, we got cheated by getting stuck with Harrisburg the first game, right? I mean, I'm thinking that, but, but, but other things as well. So for us, it's a reminder to me, what am I talking about? What am I celebrating? You but, know, Jason, yeah. as Christians, we need to stand for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Charles Schultz wrote that. Charles Schultz was a devout Christian. Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, producers wanted to take that part out. And he said, if we don't, if you take it out, we won't show it at all. Yeah. So he stood for the Lord. Yeah. For a kid's show. Amen. Amen. I don't shop at stores that don't recognize Christmas. Amen. They say happy holidays. They probably, if that's all they do, I'm not shopping. Amen. All right, just a couple of these very quickly, and then we will get out of here tonight. Uh, how about we just go down there to the, um, the fifth one? One, two, three, four. The fourth one, excuse me. Even to the details of where the Lord would be born. Micah chapter 5, if someone wants to flip over there in their Bible and read those verses, 2 through 5. Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come 
For me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So we see that he will be in, uh, born in Bethlehem. And so if you're familiar in the book of Matthew, starting in chapter 2, starting in verses 1 through 6, we won't read it all just for the sake of time, but in verse 1, someone wants to read verse 1 of, of Matthew, chapter 2. So just the showing us that when the Old Testament prophesied about it, that it came to pass. And I know what you're thinking, Jake, we have all read the Christmas story. We know these. I don't disagree with that at all. But I want to remind you that the Christmas story doesn't start in the New Testament. The Christmas story has always been planned. The Lord has all of the details worked out. Even we've looked at the positive, we've looked at what he was going to do, but how about one of the negatives? One of probably the most heartbreaking things about the Christmas story. You want to flip all the way down there to the second from the bottom. The massacre of the children. If someone wants to flip over to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. Jeremiah 31, verse 15. Anybody find it? Read it. Thus says the Lord, voice was heard in Rama, lamentations and bitter weepings, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, comforted for her children because they are all no more. Amen. And so if you flip over to Matthew chapter 2, which hopefully you kept your finger there, in verse 16, probably the most horrific part of the Christmas story. Verses 16 through 18, and it even quotes this passage of Scripture if somebody would read it. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put them to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and <coughs> So literally, when it says Bethlehem and all its districts, you, you have to understand where Bethlehem is and there would have been areas surrounding it. So it would have been anywhere um, in that vicinity, anywhere that could have been close enough uh, to be considered Bethlehem. 
And the, the horrific truth of this is the simple fact that even in the book of Jeremiah, it was talking about this horrific event of what King Herod would do. And it's just a reminder, though, that the Lord had a plan and a purpose. And we know that he protected the Lord. We know that they went to Egypt. We know they came back. All of those things. And so when you read the Christmas story, it's this happy, it's this beautiful, it's this wonderful story. But don't forget the wickedness of mankind. Right? What sin does. Uh, and if you study about Herod at all, you will know um, but he was vindictive, he was paranoid, he had one of his wives killed, multiple children murdered. Uh, he was an awful, awful person. Um, but yet we see, even in the Christmas story, how beautiful and how wonderful it is that Jesus would take on flesh, be born in a manger, to come to die in our place. But yet we see the opposite of that, right? An earthly king who is only worried about power, only worried about staying in control, only worried about protecting his own, but yet Jesus stepped out of the glories of heaven, right? And what he said, he came not to serve, but to be served. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And so if there's one thing I would encourage you tonight as you begin to minister to your families about the Christmas story is never forget why he had to come. That we are sinners. That we are wicked. The world that we live in is corrupted to its core by sin. And so while the story of Christmas is absolutely about Jesus being born, the reason that Christmas is so special is not just because he was born. It is because he lived a perfect life. And he died a substitutionary death in our place. Taking the punishment that we deserved. Taking the judgment that we deserve. That we might be saved. And so you can take this paper with you. I hope that you'll use it. And then you say, well Jake, what's the purpose of the last one? Uh, that is just a, a map of, of Jerusalem in Jesus' time. And you say, what does that matter? Well, because the individual that built much of Jerusalem was this very same Herod that we're talking about. He was trying to gain favor with the Jewish people. He was trying to make them love him because he was part Jewish. But what we see here is that um, even though he built a city, right? even though he built a temple, uh, even though he did all of these wonderful architectural things, um, that the only building that matters, right, is the Lord building his kingdom. And so we worship him for what he can do, what he does, and how he works. And so you're welcome to throw those away, to keep them, to do whatever you want with them. And so I know it wasn't the normal Bible study that we have, but I hope it was one that will get you thinking, one that gets you reflecting and will help you as a family. Any questions, com comments, concerns, complaints? How can we pray for you or celebrate with you uh, at this Christmas season? And I don't have a pen. If somebody would write these down, I would appreciate it.
Any praises at all? Yes, ma'am. Our little grandson was born the day before Thanksgiving, and he wasn't as big as they thought he was going to be. He's just uh, eight four, but mommy's healthy and he is healthy, and uh, all is well. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, the gift of life. Other praises. Amen. That was down at Georgia, Alabama. Okay, wonderful. Other praises. My son will get to come home from the military for 10 days, so that's the plan. So if anybody knows anything about the military, it changes sometimes. Okay. But we pray that he'll be able to fly in next Tuesday and be home for 10 days. Wonderful. There's been Christmas since he's not been here, and that's it's not easy for a mother not to see your kid. No. Can't imagine. So be praying that that all works out for sure. Pray. Others. I know Thanksgiving is over, but you're also over your thankful blessings. But I read somewhere where it says to praise Him continually. But any other praise reports? Any prayer requests? I have three. Um, Dixie Shoemate needs prayer. Mm -hmm. She's having some problems, things going on. Some of them are unfair. Um, she needs prayer. And then um, my sister Judy is pretty sick tonight. I don't know what's going on with her. Ask me to pray for her. And then Tara Sutton is it was in the emergency room. She had COVID last week and she was in the hospital. And now I she's having problems with her kidneys and may have to be on dialysis. Okay. For some, I don't know for how long, but she's asked for a prayer. Okay. Remember those three requests? Continue to remember the families that have lost loved ones. Uh, tonight as they went to Carol, um, Brandon and Tyler were both out there getting ready to go Carol. And so that was a praise report, but also continue to remember them as they're in therapy. I ate lunch next to Brandon yesterday. Gary and I did it. He's getting ready to finish up speech, and so that's really that's really challenging to take what's up here and and to put it in the right places. And so, continue to pray for for him. Uh, don't forget, continue to forget to pray for Devin as well. Tom Jamerson, continue to pray for him as he recovers. Any other prayer requests that we can pray for you about? Anything at all? I did get a text a while ago from Elisa Bishop, and our class has been praying for, I guess it would be called her great nephew, Heath, who is Trevor's son. Trevor's son. He's, about He's about two, and uh, she just, I'll read it to you. We got off the phone about 30 minutes ago with our doctors. The CT scan results returned. The radiation worked. The cells on his lungs and lymph nodes are melted away. They told us it could return in time, and he still has to finish the full 10 months treatment plan. So not done yet, but it just gives us a ray of hope for the future. The treatments are working. His cancer and body are receptive of the treatment therapy. That's all we needed to hear right now. We still have a long journey, but praise be to God, it's 
Amen. That would be Louis Ellison's great-grandson. Continue to pray there. Pray thankful for that. Others? I'd be remiss. I've got a friend that's in Louisville, Kentucky. Got COVID. His lung has collapsed. He has infection in his lungs. He's 42 years old and it, Lord, does move in a miraculous way. Probably will not survive the thing. His name is Ryan Buckingham. Ryan Buckingham. Ryan Buckingham. Any others? I know I've got some, but I can't remember them. <laughs> Anything else? If you get a chance tonight, thank Karen for the dessert. She was here all afternoon making those. So please thank her for that. Don't forget, be praying for next Wednesday night. Um, oh, I had a, I had a praise report. Um, our, uh, uh, our neighbors that live right across the street from us, uh, the Hampsons, their oldest son was saved Sunday night after church. And so I got to go over and talk to him about that on Monday. So we're very thankful for that. And we have a baptism uh, sometime. So uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, any other praise reports, prayer requests, anything at all? Announcements? Anything at all? All right, so next Wednesday night will be our candlelight service. The Wednesday night after that, uh, we will not have Bible study. Um, so we always take that week between Christmas and um, New Year's. Thank you. Off. It's just coincidence that it's the same week as the holiday tournament. But, <laughs> but we were taking that off before me. So 